Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and Bulldog fans everywhere. We are ecstatic to be welcoming each and every one of you back to the Maroon Friday edition of the Stark Vegas Report. I'm your co-host, Colton Watson. And I'm your other co-host, Gavin Lagazzino. And yeah, it's opening weekend in SEC play in baseball. Uh, football and basketball are both active um, this weekend. We got a lot to talk about today. Uh, the first, though, we're going to start with somebody who's not active, and that's um, the women's team. Um, so far, we've got several seniors uh, that are transferring and some juniors and stuff that are transferring, and all of that looks really bad, and it probably is. Um, but we're going to break that all down. Jemai Mingo Young and Zaria Wiggins announced – Zaria actually announced earlier that they would be transferring, um, entering the transfer portal from Mississippi State. Um, those are players that we did expect back next year, but we also did expect the transfer portal to take a few. Um, we thought that things were going to get weird this year, uh, had probably have to do with some personalities and stuff like that. We're not going to get into the reasons too bad. Sydney Cooks and Yamaya Morris, they technically have an extra year only because of COVID, but they both graduated. They both uh, were on senior night. They were recognized, which means we didn't expect them to come back. So their announcements that they're entering the transfer portal – is to be expected. They, um, Sydney Cooks is actually uh, going to going to head to law school somewhere, so she's going to find a basketball program that with with where she can pursue her law degree at least for that last year. And then I don't know what Yamaya Morris's plans are, but they, we, they were both recognized at senior night, which tells us that they were supposed to graduate and get on out of here. Um, I don't know if Yamaya Morris finds the landing spot that she that she hopes for or not. I, I hope so. I don't think we got to see enough of her this year. Um, on the men's side of things, we play St. Louis Saturday at 4 o'clock. I think that's on ESPN. We're the one seed, and they're the four seed. Um, if you, just a brief report on St. Louis, University of St. Louis. They've uh, played and beaten some Power 5 teams. They're actually really good. Their away-from-home record is not good. On the road or at neutral sites, I think they're like 2-6. and six. They've won one neutral site game and one road game apiece. So I think that uh, – Dogs have a bit of a chance that they play their best basketball. We have not expected anybody, um, and nobody so far has opted out or anything like that. Everybody's going to play. Uh, the whole roster is available, so that's good. Yep. Uh, on to spring ball. As most of y'all know, football spring football practice started yesterday. A um, few tidbits of information. They're just, as of right now, uh, it's just a lot of one-on-one -on -one drills, just kind of letting guys get their feet wet, uh, get some juice going through the program. Uh Tulu's wearing number five, if you haven't seen that already. Um, and, yeah, they're just they're kind of running through some stuff. I believe practice is every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, uh, and the spring game is going to be on April 17th. Right. So everybody needs to come in, pile into Duty uh, Noble Field and Davis Wade Stadium as much as uh, restrictions will allow for the spring game and for, the, uh, of course, the weekend series against Ole Miss in baseball. Mike Leach has never been a big, you know, spring game guy, you know, s s invite people to come watch, but now he's in the SEC, so he kind of has to be. Yeah. So we are going to have a big spring game. Um, I don't know. I remember the last time we had a spring game, it was bad weather and yeah. nobody was there. It was miserable. Joe Moore's first year, I didn't get to go to that spring game, but it was uh, well, it was when we tried to break the record. Yeah. There was a lot of people there. Yeah. I don't know if we did, but we tried. All right, so we're going to talk about the midweek game that we had. We did face Samford on Tuesday. Samford, a decent ball team. Um, I, some people I heard on the media said that they're still expected to compete in their league, even though they haven't done well this year. And I guess they have only lost to some 
really good teams, you know, Texas A&M and, and Florida being one of those. But uh, You see that A&M game last night? Yeah, they were getting hammered. Yeah. Yeah, Florida versus Texas A&M, yeah. oddly enough. So, uh, talking about the Sanford game, that was the weirdest first two innings I've seen in my life. So, first of all, first pitch, dude squares around a bunt and then turns around to hit, which I hate. I, I if they're, I don't like rule changes. I don't think they should make a rule change in, in all of baseball. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. But if you're going to make a rule change, that's what I would take out. Because that's how you can knock somebody out, knock somebody's head off. Yeah. Uh, Cam makes it. Cam James makes an incredible play on the ball. I mean, scoops the ball up, almost knocks himself over, and then airmails the throw. So we got an error. The very next pitch is a bunt single, a perfect push bunt right past the pitcher. Houston Harding is left-handed. He's falling towards the right side, his right, so the the left side of the field. He pushes it back past the pitcher, and nobody can get to it. And there's two runners on with nobody out after two pitches, none of which neither ball cleared the cleared the infield. And then eventually, he uses one pitch and gets three outs. He picks the guy off going from second to third. Runner from first doesn't advance. Then he gets a strikeout, throw him out. The throw was wild. It got into the outfield, but it was apparently batter interference, and then that runner's out too. And then we all go in the dugout, no harm, no foul. Uh, there was a pickoff for both teams in the bottom of the first and the top of the second. It was super weird. Um, but the, the takeaway from that game, if you want to make the be a Debbie Downer, is that Houston Harding was getting barreled up. I mean, don't you think? He, he had he had leadoff doubles like three innings. Yeah, yeah. He It was not what you normally would expect out of Houston. Right. He was getting – he didn't get any runs, you know. Um, the pickoffs helped with that. Uh, maybe the scouting report's caught up with him and people are sitting soft and trying to just drive a changeup. But I feel like Scott Foxhall knows more about college baseball than most people and that he'll be able to figure that out, hopefully. Yeah. He was efficient. He he had three three point one innings, three innings in a three and a third innings and thirty six pitches. I mean, that's right around you've got what, ten outs and thirty six pitches, you're using less than four pitches per out. That's yeah. pretty that's pretty good. Especially to have all the base runners that we had. So Houston Harding can pitch this weekend. I don't think anybody got burned. No. I I'm not that looking I'm... I can look at my list here. I think we had like nobody threw more than I don't think anybody threw more than uh, thirty six than, than Houston's thirty six. Let me look. Yeah, Houston threw the most with thirty six. Brandon Smith threw twenty five pitches. Parker Stinnett threw sixteen. Xavier Lovett threw eleven. Dylan Carmouche threw four pitches. Casey Hunt threw eighteen, and Stone Simmons threw nine. Yeah. So everybody's available for this weekend. Now we have used twenty four pitchers, and we can only take thirty players to Baton Rouge. So. Several of those guys I named probably won't even be on the bus. Yeah, but they are all available for this weekend. I don't. They have not. Uh, they turned in those rosters to the SEC. Um, I don't know if I can go check that on the SEC website or anything. I doubt I can. The best part about um, the Sanford game, though, was those home runs. We get hit three home runs. Um, got some out of Hatcher, who was due for one, and got two out of Hancock, who now leads the team. Uh, I, I, that was a sight to see. I even told Gavin I should have even. I wish I'd said it in my episode before the game. I might have said it. I don't think I did. But I wanted to say that I just hope we can hit, you know, three or four home runs on on Tuesday, get our numbers up, and let, get me more confidence in the power, especially with our with a short field kind of at Alex Box. It's a bit of a hitter's park uh, down in Baton Rouge, and then we did. So I would have looked really smart if I had said yeah, that. Yeah, but I don't think you did. Yeah, I'm upset. 
I'm really upset. Anyway, but that brings us up to 16 home runs on the team, which isn't a ton, but we do play. I mean, Duty Noble Field is it used to be a really good pitcher's park, and now it's a little bit more hitter-friendly. But, uh, I mean, shoot, we were hitting – we hit, what, three, four home runs? Do we hit four home runs out in Arlington? Luke Hancock hit two and Rowdy hit two in Arlington? Yeah. I mean, that that's – it's an indoor park, so I guess there's no weather there, but – we're definitely uh, hitting him out of major, major League Park, so I don't have any problems with our power as of right now. We're, we're also hitting more home runs than we've given up. So Yeah, I ain't going to take that every time. Yeah. Pitching preview, McLeod, Bednar, Sarantola. Weekend rotation. Gavin, what do you think? Uh, it, I'm honestly kind of surprised. Uh, I, I think that kind of all of us are on the same page. Where if you're going to pull a guy out of the weekend rotation, it would be Sarantola because he struggled the most. Uh, but I understand what's going on. And I see it. I, I can understand the way the coaches see it. Uh, and they know more about it than I do, obviously. So I think that this is more of give Eric the the longest leash because he's the oldest guy. Uh, let him have some opportunities. And if he does happen to blow it, then at least you know you've got a freshman in Fristo that can come out there and shut things down. Right. Uh, it's also nice to know that we've got about six guys that could be starters for somebody. Uh, you can run, obviously, you can run Brandon Smith out there. You can run Fristo out there. You can run Landon Sims out there at any given time. Houston Harding at this Harding point, can, Yeah, Harding can run out there and, and shut it down. So I, I'm I'm okay with Sarantola starting just because you know that if he does happen to get in a little bit of trouble like he has in the past, there's yeah. – You've got a, a plethora of arms that you can run He does out there. have two very successful innings against LSU. Yeah. His best two innings he ever pitched was against LSU in the SEC tournament in a game we were losing by a lot. Yep. Um, I think they're doing it because Bednar and, and Sarantella are draft prospects, and he doesn't want to ruin their draft stock. Uh, he's been really, fr- really helpful, I think, with getting his own players drafted, um, which is good. That helps with recruiting everything like that. But, like you said, Sarantola has to have a short leash. What I think they're going to do, and I, I look, I'm going to act like this is a new thing that I invented. I did not invent this concept, but this is what we need to do. This is my theory, okay? We need to do what I'm calling piggyback starts, okay? And that sounds intuitive, and this also can even be going on in baseball and you not even have a name for it. So it's not like, I'm again, I'm not reinventing the wheel, but you don't have to piece things together out of the bullpen. You don't have to have a Johnny Holstaff approach. You only have to burn – you can burn two pitchers per game on any given game. And then the whole rest of your back end guys never have to throw more than an inning or two. And here's what's going on, okay? You get the starters four to six innings. You get the second starter, quote unquote, two to four innings, okay? You go anywhere between seven to nine total with those guys, maybe six if you're having a bad day. But. For example, you start. You can go with McLeod Smith. We saw that work really well against Kent State. Well, McLeod didn't, but Smith did. Yeah. Uh, Bednar Sims or San Sarantola Fristo, just because Fristo's used to pitch on Sunday, or any combination. You can go McLeod Fristo, or you can go uh, Sarantola Sims. It doesn't matter. But those between those two guys, you should be able to get at least to the eighth inning. Yeah. Right. And then you've got guys like you can you can save these types of guys for the. For the back end to close things out and to not waste them, but your 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 Stinets, your Spr- your Spencer Prices, your Chase Patrick's, your Preston Johnsons and Dylan Carmouche and Carlisle Kessler's and Riley Selfs, they ought to be able mm-hmm. to get you. Even love it. 
Even Love It. If Love It makes the trip, you yeah. know, a third of two innings between those guys, uh, or, or nobody should, uh, those guys should get more than two innings. And then here's the thing: they can pitch the next night. If if let's say Stinnett throws in the eighth inning or the ninth inning on Friday, he can throw in the eighth or ninth inning on Sunday, and be and that'd be totally fine. Shut him back down double uh, twice. Kessler can go a couple innings each day. You know, that way. I think that's the a good recipe for success with the three wins. I mean, here's my logic and all that. Unless the score gets away from us, there's no reason not to see Bednar and Sims and Sarantola and Fristo and McLeod and Smith because they're just too good. Like, you have to win these games, you know. Mm-hmm. I know what the, the theory in the past has been. You put in Sims either in the last game of the weekend or – on the Sunday, on the uh, in a game when you're ahead, you don't want to waste them when you're down. Mm-hmm. But I think in this case, you can't. I think the way that Brandon Smith has been pitching, and the way that Houston Harding and Carlo Kessler and Jackson Fristo have been pitching as well, that you almost can't go wrong just running Sims out whenever you all, wherever you ought to. I mean, it's not like you're you've only got the one asset of the bullpen. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, then where does Houston Harding fit in? No idea. Yeah. I think he could be in a case of emergency pitcher to this weekend. I don't know. There's really no telling. But There's, it's, it's, it's hard to tell. Yeah. Um, next up, we'll talk about a little bit of pitching for them. Interesting. It's looking like they're going to start all righties this weekend, uh, which is not ideal for them, for sure. But it's what they've done all year. Yeah. Uh, team ERA is a 4.02, which is 78th nationally. 198 strikeouts, 63 walks. Uh, that's the 32nd ranked ratio. We're eighth. Yeah, they have 100 in 168 innings, 198K, 63 walks. Yeah, uh, and then so that's not a lot of not a bunch of Ks. Pretty good, but not a lot of walks at all. Batting average against is 232. Uh, ours is 176. So just to give you all a comparison. Yeah. Friday, we're expecting Jaden Hill. Uh, he's two and one on the year in four appearances. ERA is 4.24. He said 17 innings of work, 15 strikeouts, four base on balls. Eight runs, yeah. 13 hits. Not a huge strikeout guy. No. Um, eight, 13 hits is a lot. The eight runs is a lot. But, Thir- uh, 13 hits and 17 innings is a lot. For a starter. He got t- he's the one for that a got Friday night up SEC guy. against Oral Roberts. That's where the, you saw the crazy 22-7 to game. That was him that gave up. He gave up a lot of runs in like the third inning of that game, and then he was gone. Um, Saturday, Landon Marceau. Marceau, I think. Marceau. Um, two wins and four appearances. Still has a zero ERA and 23 innings of work. 32 strikeouts, three walks. That's good. Two runs, 12 hits. Now, two unearned runs, yeah. but. He's a stud. 32. <laughs> he does get hit a little bit, but 32 strikeouts to three walks. He's going to be a good strikeout pitcher. Now, we don't strike out a ton as a team. Uh, LSU does. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but that's that's our toughest matchup. Has got to you've got to think it's Saturday. I don't know why everybody that just seems to happen every week for us. Right, it, Saturday it ends up the you guy. Know, they switch Albright. Well, I guess Althoff. Yeah, but some, yeah. TCU what would have been Saturday. Kent State switched up their Saturday yeah. to mess with us, um, and then I guess against. Uh, against uh, Eastern Michigan, Justin Mize was outstanding yeah. on Saturday. So here we go with another second day in the rotation, maybe a, a premier matchup. we got to hope – got to get I – mean, our, our, our Saturday guy might be the best one too. We don't know yeah, that yet. Yeah, I mean, well, Bednar hasn't gone. 
um, more than four innings. I'd like to see him, and and he's been really really pitch efficient. I'd like to see him go deep, uh, even though we don't need need that. No, nobody, Coach Lamontis even says, you know, we don't need guys to go six or seven innings. But I like to see him only get pulled in the fifth inning because of that reason, because we don't yeah. need him to. Rather than rather than he he's doesn't make it seventy pitches inning. in four innings. Right. Exactly. Understandable. Uh, Sunday guy AJ Labus. I guess. No um, idea. Labus, Labus. Four appearances, 3.1 ERA, 20, point, 20 and a third innings pitched, 27 strikeouts, three walks, seven runs, 24 hits. Yeah, he's he's got he's another get, big he gets strikeout. He hit guy. a lot. Big strikeout, but it just looks like he also again gets hit a lot. Yeah, he, uh, he actually surprised. He's only given up seven runs off 24 hits. Yeah, Usually just, it's about 50-50. Just based on the numbers, uh, you would assume that he's. He's a guy that attacks the zone because yeah. he's not walking a lot Seems of guys, like but he's also getting touched. Kind of like Fristo. Yeah. I mean, and Fristo's not uh, not getting touched. I don't think he's had, tw- had anywhere near 24 hits. No. But it's a very similar to Fristo. He's, he's attacking the zone. He wants to strike you out, and he's not scared of contact. Yep. And it's worked for him. He hasn't lost a game yet. He hasn't won one, but he hasn't lost one. Uh, some bullpen guys that we want to touch on real quick. Devin Fontenot, uh 11 appearances. Yeah, I went to high school with a Fontenot. Okay, so, so you knew how to pronounce that yeah. one. I was I was waiting for you on that one. <laughs> uh, Eleven appearances, one and zero, two point seven nine ERA, eleven Ks, six base on balls, eleven point two innings pitched, one save. Yeah, not a huge strikeout guy. And he will walk you a little bit, but a good ERA. Their bull. This is we definitely will see this guy this weekend unless he's hurt or something because their bullpen is struggling. Unless the only way they don't waste this guy, and I think we'll still see him on Sunday anyway, is if there's a huge lead in the first two games. But I, I think you'd still see – I mean, it's, it's the closest thing they've got to Landon Sims. Yeah. It's not close. Uh, they do not have a reliever with a, with an ERA below 1.5. They only have one with an ERA below two. Uh, Garrett Edwards, their closer, he has eight appearances. Uh, 1.8 ERA, 12 Ks, four base on balls, 10 innings pitch, two saves. Yeah, a bit of a – that's their leader in saves, a bit of more of a strikeout guy. Uh, that's the guy I think they, they trust to close the game out. Looking at his appearances, he usually comes into the eighth or ninth inning. Yeah. Um, and then the last guy that we've got on the list, Mikhail Hilliard, eight appearances, uh, but he hasn't been good. Yeah, so there is two other pitchers that had eight appearances. Um, the other one had not had not pitched in a little bit, so I don't know. But Mikhail uh, Hilliard, I don't know if we see him or not. Just he has the set, He's tied for the – second most appearances. I guess there's one guy that had seven appearances. That's what I was looking at. Tied for the second most appearances, but an ERA like lofty, you know, somewhere around seven or eight. So I don't know um, if what we can expect from him, but just going by appearances, that's the guy that's been out there the most. Their bullpen is pretty shaky. Um, I did some math. So everybody calm down a little bit. I did a little bit of math. Okay. Chill. It's, 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 it's a work in progress with my baseball math. But if you take out their three starters, the bullpen ERA, and again, this is including midweek starters, so it's a little bit of a misnomer, but I think you, you might be likely to see some midweek starters on there. But the, taking out their three rotation guys who have been the rotation in the rotation all year, their bullpen ERA is above five. So no. that's, that's not ideal. No. Um, that's actually a little bit lower than I thought it was. But I guess the reason that the reason that was is because it wasn't their bullpen that gave up a lot of those runs to Oral Roberts. Yeah. It was the starter gave up several. 
So the game plan this week is, we'll get to that a little later, I guess, but just try to get the starters out of the game. Yeah, got to get starters out of the game. They have two really good and one great starter. Um, I think Labus, Labus is more of a grind it out and get you the, get you the best he can kind of guy. I don't think he's going to be necessarily a difference maker. Uh, I think you got to have some hitting behind him if you plan on winning that game. But when it comes down to uh, Hill and Marceau, I know Hill had that bad outing that's got his ERA up there. But Marceau has been stellar, and Hill is is the if, if let me just give you a, a hint, if their best their best statistical pitcher is on Saturday, odds are they still trust their Friday guy, and he's just had a bad day, which yeah. is what happened. I don't think that the they they expect him to do that every weekend. Yeah, uh, hitting preview. Yep, talking about their hitting. So. They've drawn 93 walks, 149 strikeouts, and 156.2 innings. That's a lot of strikeouts. Yeah, over eight and a half strikeouts per nine innings. So this is this is a team that likes to have big swingers. They're kind of like Ole Miss that way. They want to swing big and and sometimes miss big. So going to have to have a lot of swing and miss stuff. Yeah, they've got 35 home runs on the year, which leads the NCAA. And we only uh, have 16. Yeah, we have 16, but now, we've given up 10. Right. Now they play in a hitter's park. To be fair, so it's a lot, I think it's a little bit easier to hit uh, to hit uh, home runs out of Alex Box than most stadiums. They're not; it's not you know a little league field. Yeah, and that's and that's not me talking bad. Some people when they design their baseball parks, they just said we want this one. We want to hit a lot of home runs. Yeah. When Duty Noble Field was designed originally, it was Ron Polk uh, was had a hand in that back in the day. It was not like that. It was an, the old field before the before the loss. The loss kind of helped a little bit, and those funky. Foul lines help hitters a little bit get less outs. Helps your t- the batting average. But um, before that, it was a pitcher's dream to pitch in. Yeah. Uh, team batting average is 289 compared to R279. So we're looking about the same there. Uh, and like Colton touched on a minute ago, that's probably partially to do with them having a hitter-friendly, more hitter-friendly part than we did. A little bit. Uh, the wind is – Expect to be blowing inwards all weekend, which plays to our advantage. Uh, I don't know if we can trust the weather three days out or not, but Palmineri said yesterday, oh, yeah, the wind's going to be blowing in, so we're going to have to keep the ball on the ground. Hopefully that's good, especially, I mean, this weekend one of the strategies is don't miss. You know, don't make make the big mistake. Just make little mistakes. Um, Just looking at some of their top hitters, first up we got Dylan Cruz. He's batting 406 on the year with six bombs, and he's fast. Yeah, he steals a lot of bases. Uh, Trey Morgan, 338, one home run. He's also fast. Yeah, kind of a Jake Mangum type. Uh, Gavin Dugas. One of the uh, few veterans on the team. It is a young team. Gavin Dugas, I think, 324, three home runs. And then Cade Doughty. Uh, he's batting 340 with eight bombs. Yeah, he leads the team in home Which runs. might lead the country. Might. No, I think this one guy has like 12. Okay. Maybe that guy from FAU. Yeah. I don't know. But uh I forgot about him. The K Dowdy, he actually doesn't qualify to be one of the, the, the seven or the eight or nine guys listed. So he doesn't start it he doesn't start every game, is what I mean. He's probably a DH. But he hits bombs when he does hit. Yes. I think okay. they might use him depending on the handiness of the pitcher. Okay. Uh they've got two guys batting around one sixty in their starting lineup. Yeah, so they're they are top heavy. Two guys two guys that do qualify for their Starks situation, you know, probably about where Drew McGowan's at. Yeah. Um, we're by far the best pitching staff that they've seen so far. 
We're sixth in team ERA at 224. And the next highest that they played is Southeastern Louisiana, which they played on Tuesday, and they are 34th. Yeah, so they've they played Louisiana Tech and uh, Louisiana Lafayette. Who knows what their name's supposed to be? And they're barely top 50 in NCAA and ERA. Those are all midweek games, though. The best ERA they played on the weekend series was Nichols State. Their ERA is 437, which is 93rd. The rest of their weekend opponents are all bunched around 200th in ERA out of 304, which is how many D1 teams there are, by yeah. the way, 304. So th- th- we, by far, are nothing like they have seen before from, from a pitching standpoint. Um, as hitters, I don't know if this is one of the – this is definitely not one of the better bullpens we've faced. We have faced a lot of good arms starting-wise. You've got your, your guy from Texas who we beat off the mound. Mm-hmm. You've got Russell Smith from TCU. I don't think, I don't think Texas Tech's starter was just great. I think we did fine against him. Althoff is an All-American. Mm-hmm. Luke Albright is a top 100 MLB prospect from Kent State. And we didn't expect it from Justin Mize, but yeah. that was incredible. Yeah, um, he was crazy. So, and I feel, dude, that I was looking back, that coach cost him that game. He should have pulled him on the first base runner. As soon as Tanner Allen got the one, yeah. the dude was warming up for two innings, yeah. the closer, which I think we would have beat the closer too. I mean, the closer threw one pitch and it got parked. Yeah. But at least the loss would have been on him and not on uh, your boy. Yeah. Not but anyway, boys. they – I, I, we have seen definitely at least a bullpen as good as theirs. Um, no doubt. I don't. This Marceau might be close to the best guy that we faced. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe this Hill is close to it. But we've been able to handle that in the past, even with Justin Mize and with the. Uh, I guess we didn't handle it with the Kent State guy. No. And I guess Althoff. I mean, you did. He got eight, eight innings under you. You can tip your hat. He beat you too. That makes me think that we might be due for one of these pitchers to really have a number. I doubt yeah. both of them do. No. Um, I don't think we'll struggle. We haven't we haven't seen State struggle twice in one weekend at the plate that badly. You've seen them But we jump. do see them struggle at least once every weekend it feels like. Yes, yes. I will give you, let me let me think. Yeah, I'll give you that. So, I'm trying to think. If we're going to if there's a day to struggle, it'll be Saturday. Is what we're getting at. Perhaps, perhaps. Uh, that was part of the reason I was think we'll, we go two and one in LSU at LSU. But uh, it it has kind of been the trend that you haven't had a hitting weekend piece all the way together. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't go and look and see who they're who they're hitting against. Um, excuse me. How good their their hitters the hitters they faced have been. I told you how good the pitchers they faced and that they haven't faced anything like us. Guys, or Roberts beat them twenty two to seven and then won the series. That wasn't supposed to happen. Okay, so I'm not – I don't know how much I trust their hitting because all that was about was about hitting in that first game especially. So I don't want to go and look at their pitching and at every hitter they faced or every batting team they faced and thought – and break all that down because I don't know how accurate a picture it's going to give us because Oral Roberts might be, you know, 200th in the country, but they stuck it to them. So what does mm-hmm. that say? Yeah. Uh, from a pitching standpoint, they have not seen anything like we've what we've seen. They haven't played – faced the opponents – that we've faced uh, either as a, as a hitting staff. I can tell you that. They haven't seen the arms that we've seen, but I don't think that uh, there's too much comparison to be drawn based on how the, their opponents have hit versus how we have hit. Okay. Uh, keys to the weekend. First up, we've got we have been excellent stolen base team and running off of hits team so far. 
So, yeah, so what I mean by up. that is a lot of guys on singles go from first to third, yeah. and I've never seen that. The first third has never come out to bite us no. this year. Uh, we've got caught in a couple pickoffs and a bad, um, what do you call it, bunt squeeze, yeah, squeeze suicide bunt, squeeze. suicide squeeze. But other than that, I don't. I, I really like the base running. I did not realize how good we were at stealing bases. Cam leads the team in stolen bases. He does. He's six for six. We are 25 yeah. for 30. Yeah. And at first, I guess at the opening couple of weekends, I didn't think we stole a lot, and now we have. Yeah. And so I just got I just sneaks already, up on you. Right, I'd already put it in my head. Oh, we don't, we're not, we're not running the bases a yeah. lot, but we are being aggressive off the bat. Yeah. Um, we've had some hit and runs not work out our way, and a couple of pickoffs. But look, those those twenty five or thirty stolen bases, three of those are a pickoff, and one of those is uh, Josh Hatcher. Yeah. Who so was one, trying to do one guy has squeeze. truly been thrown out. Right. One or two guys have been hosed. So, I like that. That's and one of those was this Rowdy got picked off this weekend yeah. or DeBrule got picked off not this weekend Tuesday yeah so uh, next up we've got limit their home runs and that's that's easier said than done but like Colton said earlier the wind is expected to be blowing in this weekend so that's good news uh, and Fristo isn't starting and we have seen that if he does get bit. That's when he gets bit is he'll leave a breaking ball up and it'll get parked somewhere. Right. So. Fristo's, I was telling somebody last night, he's a pop fly, pop up, fly ball pitcher, which means when he messes up, it's a home run. Yeah. Riley Self is the exact opposite, to give you a comparison. If Riley Self messes up, it's a, it's a screamer through the infield. Mm-hmm. But it's not leaving the park very often. Right. With uh, that's just that's just the way he pitches. And that and that is good. That He's challenging hitters in the zone and whatever – He's uh he's getting a lot of weak contact to make the ball go up, which, and this is where it's come back to hurt Riley, who's the opposite. Our infield has has not played well behind Riley, and there's been some seeing eye singles get through the ball. You don't have seeing eye signals that are pop ups. Right. I mean, if that happens, that's just a circus play, and you've made a mistake. Yeah. Um. But with so, Fristo not starting, I think is a little bit of a matchup thing. Uh, I don't think that's that was what led to the decision at all. But it does lead to our advantage a little bit. And that right. being said, Sarantola gave up a home run the other day too. Yeah. So uh, next up, we've got do piggyback starts and prey on their big swingers. So we kind of touched on the piggyback start stuff earlier. I think a really big key this weekend though is we know how big of a home run team they are. We know that they enjoy hitting home runs, uh, and they're going to be trying to do it as much as possible. So just make sure you have your best stuff this weekend. And might I think, be a good weekend to put in Houston Harding with that change up. I think I think Sarantola could be fantastic this weekend. You think if he can locate, then he could have him really off balance. It'd uh, be good. Throw mixing in the fastball on the twelve six curve. And I think that destructive slider and that uh, move, moving fastball from Bednar could be really helpful too. Yeah, for sure. Uh, next up, we got get to their bullpen, Which and we, is the biggest key. Yeah, we touched on that earlier too, but. Like we've said, their starters are good. Their bullpen is not. Yeah. Uh, get the starters out of the game as early as possible. No three. No Especially three. Especially Marceau. Right. No three pitch strikeouts. Can't have that. Right. Uh, no. Get deep in counts. Make them work for it. Even if you are getting out early with the starter, at least run up their pitch count enough where they're not getting through the fifth inning. Right. That's the goal. Uh, next up, avoid big momentum moments for them. Take it away somehow and don't let the Alex Box voodoo get going. Right. You know, Coach Lamontos talked about the dude effect. Talked about how you can uh, really just see it coming. You can feel it in the air and that we're going to win this game when we're at home. 
if there's a stadium that's comparable at all, and maybe even more, it's Alex Box, right? You, we do not want, and this is going to be really, I'm, I'm going to be so nervous if this happens. I think we have the gumption to do it, but a five to four game in the bottom of the ninth is terrifying yeah. as a fan yeah. because I know what's happened. If it was five to four against Southern Miss or something, no offense, Southern Miss, that's not what I mean. And Southern Miss has had a ton of walk offs last couple of years, but it's it, I'm not as scared as five and four, five to four. In Alex, Box. in Alex Box, it's just it's just different. Yeah. So take it away. You know, use your timeouts. Use your uh, use your challenges. Do those kind of things. Figure out a way to take momentum away. Yep. Um, and then last up, we've got you can't have a dead hitting weekend. No. Which we touched on earlier. And we haven't had a dead hitting weekend. We've had a dead hitting days. And you can't have that either. I, I would like us to not have a dead hitting day. It would it'd be really bad. Let's say we, we have a great hitting day on on Friday, but we lose because so did they. And then let's say we can't hit Saturday. And they still can hit. Right. It, well, even if they can't, you know, I would hate to – I would hate – you don't think you're going to lose this game because of your pitching. But we also haven't seen SEC, SEC hitters yet. We don't know if these pitchers – if it's all smoke and mirrors or if they're actually really good. A I lot of guys – I think they're actually really good. This is their – I was thinking earlier, a lot of guys, this is their first time seeing an SEC team. A lot of team. them. Cam James, Logan Tanner, neither yeah. one of them got to play SEC ball a last year. A lot of year. our position players are, are experienced. Lane Forsyth. But uh, a lot of our pitchers are, are – you know, Landon Sims, never seen an SEC hitter. Yeah. He's seen big 12 hitters. I mean, Bednar, never. Bednar, never. Fristo, never. Uh, Brandon Mc, Smith, not in a while. McLeod? Never. 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 So – It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. But yeah, at the minimum, it's a big learning weekend. It'd be really good. And look, they're a really young team too. Very, very young. Only two. They only have two experienced position players, and that's Dugas and uh, Beloso, which you've all you probably ever all remember him. Yeah, Cade Beloso. But I don't think this is the weekend to have you know four hits in in, in a game. This is not just not not only because it's SEC play, but because. Something fluky will happen to where the pitching just doesn't do what it's supposed to do one of the days, and then that that week that that game that you lost three to one because you pitched well but you couldn't hit is going to come back to bite you. Yep. Uh, expectations for the week. Really, the story of the weekend, as we hit on earlier, is these piggyback starts that we've been talking about. Uh, if that happens. Yeah, six guys that can run out there and shut just about anybody in the country down. It'll be interesting to see how they fare against SEC play because, like we said, a lot of these guys haven't seen SEC hitters yet. But it's looking good. If those, if the six guys, C-Mac, Sims, Bednar, Willie B, that's what they're calling him, Brandon Smith, Eric Sarantola, and Diesel, okay, that's Jackson first Two of those guys have seen SEC hitters before. Yes, which is Smith and Eric. Yep. But if between those six guys, if you give up three runs – Max, oh. you're good. Yeah, you you're, went. Out, you you probably sweep. You're you're in good. You feel really really good about the weekend. Yeah. Um, I I don't. I mean, that's to be said. You could put in Dylan Carmouche and he might walk the yard. I don't know. I don't <laughs> think he will. I, I don't. He hasn't had a walk trouble. I just gave a random name. But anyway, I think because of that, leading up to our predictions, that we can go two and one this weekend. Uh, just because sweeps are hard to come by. Go two and one. Hope that Vanderbilt drops a game. Hope that Ole Miss and Arkansas drop at least a game because I don't expect them to drop many. And we are guys. Everything's in the SEC race. Uh, what do you expect? Two and I'm, one. Yeah, one I'm two? with you. Two and one. Uh, I think 
like Colton said, sweeps are just hard to come by. I think we are the better team. Uh, I mean, we saw that with Kent State. We couldn't sweep Kent State yeah. at all. I mean, that's, yeah. it's tough. It's tough to win the series. That's, I mean, that's that's a risky pick. Yeah. Uh, but I think I think two and one is very feasible. I, I'm going to be honest, and I know we've said sweeps are hard to come by. We lost to Kent State at home. But I think if we're in the dude this weekend, I'd call sweep. Really? Yeah. I would, too, just because they're a home run team, and now we're at the field where it's not as, yeah. as easy. But – like like we said, they're at a park that plays uh, in their favor, so I'm going to go two and one. I think we, we I think we dropped the Saturday game. Look, talking about this rivalry in general, we are hot. We have won what seven in a row. We won the last game against Kent State, two midweek games, all three weekend games in Sanford. Yeah, they've won six in a row, and they had trouble every single game with U, uh, University of Texas at San Antonio. Now. When I say trouble, I mean they had the gumption to walk those things off in extra innings, two of those games. So that's that speaks to them to their prowess as well. Kind of like us, you know, we've had to, we've had to come back and and walk some get things off a few times this year. Two walk-offs in a weekend for us just a couple weeks ago. Yep. But we are playing our best baseball as of late, which is good. Good for us to see. Um you had plenty of hits against Sanford, plenty of hits against uh even against when you only had the four runs on Sunday against um, Eastern Michigan, you were still hitting a lot of balls. You got a lot of hits and just run yourself out of some situations. And you hit a lot of balls hard right at people. We've been mm-hmm. doing that a lot. I would like to see that change. I mean, there's nothing. What are you going to do about it? But this rivalry, some say it is, and they're right that it's the chief rivalry in SEC baseball. Um, and as much as I, and I'll tell you what, I'd rather lose to these guys than I'll miss. That's just me. Yeah. But some people don't feel that way. I Some mean, I think if hate you hate LSU baseball more or Arkansas, I think if you live out of state, that's a fair, fair argument to make. But I, th- I feel like just Mississippians as a whole, it'll always be MSU and Ole Miss because yeah. you live in it yeah. every day. Yeah, for, yeah you're right. I mean, where I'm from, there's a lot of LSU people too. Yeah, I guess where you're from, there's a lot of Memphis people. Where I'm from, it's all MSU and Ole Miss. Really? No one cares about Memphis. Really? Yeah. Really? I've oh, met. Wow. I mean, I know Memphis fans, but there's probably less than 20. Wow. Well, we uh, this this rivalry, Ron Polk came to Mississippi State. Mississippi State made a commitment to baseball coaching, made a commitment to baseball facilities, and Ron Polk became the godfather of college baseball. Other SEC teams looked around and saw what we were doing and said, hey, we could do that maybe. What if we hired good coaches and paid money for stadiums and stuff like that? The first team to really catch us, was Skip Burtman when it was LSU when they hired Skip Burtman, who's one of the another probably the next most legendary coach in the SEC after Ron Polk. Those two guys, this rivalry is what made SEC baseball what it is. The reason Florida and South Carolina and Vanderbilt and Texas A&M and Arkansas and really Ole Miss, and Ole Miss as much as we had to say it have and even when you cut Georgia, I mean Kentucky. The reason why baseball we are we are dragging SEC these two programs are dragging SEC baseball into the future and they have been since the eighties. Okay, this is the chief rivalry in SEC baseball. I think uh, I, I, you don't see it. It's not Florida Vanderbilt for sure. That's new money. Okay, um, the only other contender I think is them in Arkansas or us in Arkansas. That's that's your that's your next best. But between those, I mean, we're slightly more successful than Arkansas. Really, really close actually and historically. And LSU is the most successful out of all of us. So, that being said, now, I mean, Florida's won a couple, and South Carolina went back-to-back, and Vanderbilt's got a couple. That still bothers me. <laughs> all that bothers me. It bothers me so much. It bothers me that Coastal Carolina 
has one and we don't. We all know what we're talking about. But one day, one day, maybe soon. This this particular uh, rivalry though is, and, and look, as the SEC goes, college baseball goes. There's it can't be understated what it means for the sport and for the conference. You know, I don't know. I mean, what you would say the SEC is also the, the conference that's pulling college baseball along. Yeah. And then that's that's us. That's us in LSU. That's crazy to think about. You got anything else to add to that? No. All right. With that being said, thanks for sticking with us. We hope all of y'all will listen uh, next week when we go over the series on Monday. Please share uh, the podcast with your friends. You know, we're on Apple Music, and or I guess we're on, what, Apple Podcasts? Yeah, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Spotify, Google Play. We're on all the things. Anchor. You want to go listen on Anchor? Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but uh, share and uh, spread the word a little bit. We have some um, good stuff coming up here in the future that we are excited to tell you all all about. But please just uh, do us a favor. The most important thing you can do is just tell somebody. If you want, if you like what you're listening to and you like what you hear, uh, that little bit of a shout-out can go a long way. Yep. With that being said, though, swing your sword. Hail State. Hail State.